Looking for a clean, sober, professional, academic, well-researched, historically accurate, generally accurate, serious podcast on Southern folklore? This is not the podcast for you. However, if you have decided you can live with that, then join us for The Strange South. Hi, Patrice. Hi, Marleya. <laughs> that worked better, right? Yes. I'm glad you said that because I totally went blank right there. I was like, what's my name? What's what, my what, name? Who are you? <laughs> so we have a bit of post-mortem that we want to talk about after our first episode. Because really, first episodes, I wasn't too worried about a first episode because a lot of times it's better to have it okay and done than perfect and never done. And I felt like went ahead and if we put it up because there was some, there was some mic bleed, there was some technical stuff happening with the mics that was kind of working through. This is stuff I wouldn't have noticed and if it was, she hadn't pointed it out. Right. And then there's like a lot of post stuff that I did. I spent way too much time. And my husband was like, you're spending way too much time on that. Um, <laughs> And it was simply trying to correct me setting up the mics wrong or badly or poorly the first time. So hopefully I've got that fixed a little bit. We're still working on that. So hopefully it sounds a little bit better and I won't have to do so much post-production work. But there's, again, like I said, there's some post-mortem stuff. And before we get into the post-mortem, let's talk about the drinks. Have yeah. you, t- have you, I have not sipped this okay. yet because I wanted to wait until we were like live on air sipping this. So okay. I just hit my mic. So Fine. you found this, you found this on garden and gun, garden right? and guns. They have a whole cocktail section, which garden guns online. Well, it's online and it's print. They have print magazines, but it is a Southern culture, um, beautiful photography articles and stuff like that. And they have like a whole thing on Southern bartenders and cocktails. So we decided since we will be drinking, day drinking. <laughs> it makes us talk more. <laughs> it, it does. It loosens the tongue, slurs the words, but thought, you know, maybe we'll make this a thing as well. And then we can always fall on beer mimosas or whatever. Beer mimosas. Beer, ooh, have you had a beer? Is that a thing? I have had my friend who runs uh, the, the goat house beer garden in Montgomery serves goat mimosas and it's sour kettle beer mixed with orange juice. How is that? Surprisingly amazing. Huh. I hate, I hate sour kettle beer. Okay. And that drink is spectacular. All but right. he also may have some special way that they do it. But um, I'll ask. I'll ask him. So what's the difference between sour kettle and regular beer? Sour kettle tastes like kombucha, I oh. think. I think. Okay. But, I, you know, I also not, I mean, we would like vegetarian, not a fan of kombucha, but, you know, right. not a fan. Yeah. So. I'm not either. I'm multi. I really, really dig the whole fermentation movement kind yeah. of thing. I love that. It's good for your gut, and right? And I really wanted that to be a thing because I need the probiotics, right? Oh, I can't do gagging. It. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this first Southern drink that I'm a little, I'm a, I'm nervous. I'm nervous too. Also excited, yes. but nervous. Yes. And we do have other things to fall back on. So what is it called? It is, well, it's, it's under red wine, cola cocktail, but it has some Truly fancy so. name. I guess it's from Spain originally. Oh, okay. And I don't think I can pronounce this name. It's, That's I think it's like Calamoc. That's where it gets confusing. Mm-hmm. It's like Calim O-T-X-O. Okay. So I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know where we go with that. <laughs> Toe. <laughs> Right. We're going to go with red wine, Coke <laughs> right. and lemon and, and lemon. ice in a glass. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So let's see how this is. Hold on. That's actually not bad. No. Do you disagree? There was hesitation. I sense um, hesitation. I don't think it's something I would go out and say, Hey, let's, I'm going to make this. No. Mm-mm. But if somebody like offered it, I'd be like, okay, I'll drink that. It tastes like sangria to me. Really? It does. It has kind of a, I don't know. It has a real, I'm sure kind my of a, wine was good. It has a little bit of a vinegar aftertaste. Does it really? I don't taste that. Do you that. not taste that? Mm-mm, no. But I'm also kind of a drink whore. Like, mm. <laughs> like oh, look, I have a drink. No. Let's yeah. go. Maybe it's the lemon that's kind of giving me that weird 
Yeah, because we squeezed taste. our own lemons, so that could be a little different. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. No, I mean, I'm drinking Well, it. now we know. I'm, now we know. I don't know that I'm like a... I'm not going to be like a evangelist for it, but right. it's way better than I thought it would be. I may switch over to rum and cokes <laughs> after I drink this one, but excellent. So that is our first, the red wine, cola, southern drink. Excellent. Yes. Yes. Okay. So continuing on with postmortem before we get to our stories. Last time I kept calling it The House on Haunted oh, Hill, yes. which is a totally different movie and book maybe than The Haunting of Hill House. And when I was like doing the post-production, I kept saying it. I was like going, oh, Patrice. So it's <laughs> The Haunting of Hill House. And in fact, the one thing I did get factual and correct, even though this that's not what this podcast is about, <laughs> it was written by Shirley Jackson, who oh. is not the mayor of Atlanta. <laughs> Good call. <laughs> Nice try. I love that. Good politics. But, right. So, um, Haunting of Hill House was written actually in 1959 in a gothic horror. And also, the groovy movies. It was Commander um, USA was the character in it. And he was kind of like this sleazy, retired superhero guy. Commander USA. And it only came on on Saturdays between like 1985 and 1989. But it was like a, what do they call it when there's two movies? So it was a double feature. Double feature, yeah. So they had double features of all of these. And if you, there's a link to it on our website, actually, where you can look at all the double features. And they have like some, it was a lot of like foreign horror films, 70s horror films, like sexy vampire, nympho horror film kind of stuff. <laughs> that I was watching, you know, as a, I guess I would be adolescent, preteen during that time. So I was going to say, I think my husband watched that show or said something yeah. about it one time when we were having dinner together and you brought it up about something, I think. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm just making this up. But he was older than both of us, too, well, I think. So, Well, he's, he's about my age. <laughs> I thought he was older than you, too. <laughs> Not by much. <laughs> by very little. Okay, so that was two things. And another thing, I'm putting more info on the website of things that we may reference during the podcast. So if you want to know a little bit more about it, or if I need to correct something that I said, I'll try to make the corrections there, even though I'm not going to try really hard. Uh, But also we are lucky enough to have a photographer that is going to let us use some of his imagery on the website. He is from my hometown, Columbus, Mississippi, and Chris Jenkins works there at the university, MUW. And he is he goes around and takes just beautiful photography. That's what he does for a living there at the university. So he's all the time out and about taking pictures of the rural South. And he captured the picture that I put up on our last episode. Episode one is from Officer's Lake, which is right down the road from Three-Legged Lady Road. Um, So it's in that general area. So you can kind of get a sense of like, you know, the lake and the fog and and how and the gravel road and how it feels. And I'm pretty sure we can find. Well, there there are pictures of Three Legged Lady Road online, and I put a link to that as well. That picture um, is but super we are, creepy and yes, cool, though. <laughs> I know, but it kind of fits with our our subject matter, and I, I knew that his photography would. And so I'm very thankful to Chris for letting us use his imagery on the website Yay. and on social media. So thank you, Chris. And that's pretty much all the post-mortem, post-factuals, whatever you want to call them, (laughs) that I have. Do you have any? um, Let's see. I don't think I do. Let's see. Oh, no. We want to thank everybody that has given us immediate feedback. Yes, definitely. Because, again, we just kind of released it into the wild before it was grown up. (laughs) And and everybody has been so kind and nice and positive about it. I want to say thank you. It's so sweet and awesome. for, For being that way and either lying to our faces <laughs> to make us feel better and to keep going because it's done the trick and sharing um, and, and subjecting and your sharing. friends to us exactly <laughs> exactly and you know and if you don't love us and it's okay you don't have to love us you don't have to listen to this but just keep your comments you to do. yourself you have to love us, have to love us. <laughs> <laughs> let's see i think the only thing one of my friends mentioned when we were talking you were talking about uh the lock and dam you lived near, right. and he was like do people know what that is he's like i know what it is because oh, i knew i live of... near a lake but i don't know if people know what that is and i was like i knew what it is right but he was like you should make sure people know what a lock and dam is that's true <laughs> so. education here right <laughs> okay so a lock and dam is pretty much what it is it is a 
a lock. So you have barges. So the Tom Bigby Waterway has actually industry and businesses at certain, especially back in the old days, you know, it was a port town. Um, So they have industries that like they use the railroad, they'll ship things. They'll use barges. So barges are just kind of like a huge boat that's flat and they'll put like gravel or they'll put other things that are really heavy and they will ship it down a waterway. So sometimes I don't really know. I don't know if it's for agriculture, if it's to control flooding, counties or whoever controls that. What is it? Engineering? Something of engineering? Oh, like the Corps of Engineers. Engineering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. They'll put a dam um, to hold back the water and form a lake. And so we have Columbus Lake and the dam there that controls that. Well, in order for the barges to go, th- this is so boring, y'all. I was just going to say, I totally put you on the spot too, because I didn't mention this in advance. And I'm just impressed that you're able to go through this very detailed description of what a lock and dam is. The lock. And that's what I was going to So the barges have to go through, or if you're fishing, or if you're like on a pontoon boat, which is big. Here in the South, it's like party pontoons and skiing <laughs> and stuff, which you do when you live, you know, near a river. And so, in order for them to go through the dam, they have a lock. The water level is at a certain, it's high where the lake is. And so you travel your boat in there, they lock it up, and then they drain the water so yeah, they it goes like down yeah. um, to where the river is, and then you can continue on your journey. There you go. So that is what it is. It's also a great place to fish. It's also a great place just to go out there and watch the water. It's also a great place to go out there and make out. I mean, <laughs> just whatever, you know, maybe not so great anymore. I don't know. But... It's just, you know, a good, almost touristy place if you're interested. Because it's kind of fun to watch the boats go through. Mm-hmm. And there was, there's a video online where a barge got sucked into the dam. Oh. And it, like, it really, like, and that's interesting to watch, too. Oh, but, cool. But, yeah, some crazy stuff. <laughs> some crazy stuff. Okay. There you go. And there's your That's civil, your answer. There's your locking down <laughs> education. Locking down. Thank you, everybody. And yes, thank I you. Yes. I, I guess I'm kind of delaying starting because I know I'm you are first. I can feel that I, <laughs> Trace is procrastinating because I said I went first last week mm-hmm. I'm super hyper so I could totally go if you want me to but technically technically to be fair I know. it is your I, turn I, I will go I will go when I did the research on this because I know we talked about female serial killers yes and I was kind of <laughs> wanting to go that way this episode however our friend Brandon has done some artwork and research on one of the local serial killers here. Mm-hmm. And I really want to like Skype with him. That's a great idea. And get him talking about that. So I'm like, yep. I'm going to hold off on that and let him do that. And so I just started looking around. Y'all, there's so much strange stuff. I, my list is a mile so long. So much. Like... And oh, and you know what? This is not exactly housekeeping, but if you have ideas, I'm yes. willing to be open to if you've got stuff that you don't know if we know about exactly. or you have some history of or you think it would be fun to hear us talk about. Post it just on Facebook. Yes. yes. We have a Facebook post page. It. Yes. Our Facebook page, The Strange South. Right. Just I, I don't know. I haven't got a username for just search the strange south you'll find us it's easy to find it's easy to find yeah and then our um instagram is at the strange south podcast so you can post it there or actually facebook or email us um we are stories at the strange south.com yes awesome yes. okay so i'm looking around and the first thing I, I wanted to keep it in mississippi so i thought maybe i'll just keep it in the area that i'm familiar with and of course it's somewhat in an area gosh i'm lying it's totally not an area that i'm familiar with in mississippi <laughs> it's on an area that i've passed by several times <laughs> but it popped up because it's there was an article about this recently like the summer. And I'm like, well, that's kind of peculiar. This actually takes place in Holly Springs and the Clarion Ledger, which is the newspaper out of Jackson, Mississippi. They did uh, an article on this this summer. And there's also like an AP article about actually I found the AP article about it first. So it's interesting that you would 
have like this ghost story going on. Ooh, it's a ghost story. The, yeah, mm-hmm. it is a ghost story. So this, I'm just going to call it a Rose for Beulah. That's a good name. I know. It is a good name. That's what caught my attention. I was like, I could do something with that. Mm-hmm. Rose for Beulah. Although that name, Beulah. Beulah. <laughs> Sorry, that's just one of those names, right? That's going to be great to just rewind and listen to like three or four times. Beulah. So this couple, Stacy Humphreys and her husband, they lived in Arizona and they were looking to move to Missouri. And they were specifically looking to buy like a Victorian house, like a house that was built like in the 1800s or something. And they're looking on Facebook as you do, right? And as we (laughs) have everything for everything. And as you know, I'm sure through their searching, but also as you know, that when you talk about anything around Facebook, that shit pops. Up oh yeah, and in your all ads. over your phone and uh, yeah, your, yeah, yeah. So it's like you can be talking about the most obscure thing. Like what were we talking about that day that came? Oh, Twin Peaks. Yes, we were talking about Twin Peaks, and then the Twin Peaks bar in Montgomery right. piped up, and we're like, "That's not the Twin Peaks we were talking." <laughs> that's about. Hooters, people, but that's okay. <laughs> that's all right. Exactly. It was just so weird, and then we had to look up about you know the Facebook conspiracy and talking, and it which happens is true. a lot. It happens it a lot. True. They do it. They use it in advertisement. So anyway, so back to Beulah. So Stacey Humphreys and her husband were looking to buy an, a Victorian or antebellum home. And they were looking in Missouri, but this ad popped up talking about this antebellum home in Holly Springs. Mm-hmm. So Holly Springs, Mississippi, you pass by it if you're going north towards Memphis. Like if you're going from Tupelo, Mississippi to Memphis on highway or something, something <laughs> like that. And, and I want to say that we actually get off on the Holly Springs or near the Holly Springs exit to kind of take a shortcut so that we're not going through where the roads are really bad near the airport um, heading up towards Memphis. So, but I don't really remember actually like driving through. I can't remember what the downtown looks like. I'm sure it looks like every every southern downtown, small town, Mississippi. Mm-hmm. They see this house pop up and it was built. Hold on, I lost my place. When they looked at Facebook again, um, she saw the same ad. So this ad keeps popping up for this 1800s home in Holly Springs. And it was called Linden Hill. Hmm. And it's a Greek revival style, like most of antebellum homes, like big, huge columns, oh, yeah. gone with the wind kind of style homes. But it's single story and it was built in 1841 and they were only wanting $35,000 for it, hmm. which is true. You can get some of these um, older homes, pre-war homes for a steal now because oh, yeah. they're so expensive to maintain and mm-hmm. nobody has money down here. Yeah, There's, you know, there's just not the money to maintain it. But if you do get it before it gets too bad, they're awesome because it's all like, custom made. Yeah. It's and like, they'll have like original hardwood original floors, floors under things. Like and, 14 foot ceilings. Yeah. You know, um, you just have to go in there and put like plumbing and electricity. You know, just little, know, things. little, just things. little if, things. If there hasn't been, you know, updated or maybe even a kitchen because they did weird things with kitchens like back in the old days in the South. It's like mm. a lot of times they wouldn't even be attached. Well, I was going to say because other people were probably cooking for them at yeah, a good bit of the sure. time. So it's like they may not right. have even bothered to have a space in some exactly. of them. Exactly. I'm referencing this article pretty much verbatim. I will give you a link and credits to the person who wrote this. So this beautiful home was there. Um, however, see, she got a comment from the from somebody saying beautiful home but it does have a live-in ghost who we all fondly call Beulah. I love that they specify a live-in ghost. Right. It comes from the house. This is not a neighbor ghost. (laughs) Right. 14 foot ceilings and you get your very own live-in ghost. (laughs) So Beulah, her last name is uh, Calthon. It's kind of an unusual name. Oh, that's an unusual name, yeah. Calthon. Her and her family, this is the story behind Beulah, lived in Linden Hill in the early 1900s, like right after it was built. And by the time she was 25, she began suffering from mental problems. So she suffered from mental problems during that age in the South. It's kind of like, good luck to you, right? Well, or anywhere, really, at that that time. I mean, that's not a distinctly Southern thing. It's not. That's that's true. Yeah. You are correct. Um, 
So in 1919, her family had her committed to the Mississippi State Insane Asylum in Jackson. It's the same property where the University of Mississippi Medical Center is now located. Hmm. So that, that used to be an insane asylum. So I'm wondering if that's haunted. Yeah, no kidding. They diagnosed her with something called circular manic depression, which we now call bipolar disorder. Oh. And, you know, it's where people have like swings and moods from high euphoria to the low depression state. Mm. I have several friends with manic depression. I was going to say, and and I'm going to be sad because this is treatable. It, this it is, is so treatable. treatable. And, and that's what they were saying. It was like right before they could prescribe. Anyway, it, it's before that they could medically treat it. Mm-hmm. So they committed her. And after she showed improvement, she returned home for several months. And the person that's telling this, she said that one night her parents woke up and Beulah was standing over their bed holding a hatchet. Whoa. So after that, so I don't know if that was, if she was sleepwalking or if she just was in, I don't really know that much about like how far it can go. And, mm-hmm. and but I also know like my child sleepwalks. Mm-hmm. And this is when I read that. I was like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to wake up. Yeah. So my, my child has occasionally has night terrors and has, he sleepwalks. And I have many a night woken up because I felt somebody looking at me and he would just be standing there over me, just looking at me. And of course, you know, my drilling goes flooding in and I'm like, are you okay? Are you sick? What's going on? And when people sleepwalk, they don't talk. Mm. So they could be looking at you or if they talk, he has talked before, but it was nonsensical. Mm -hmm. It it didn't make any sense. Um, And so, of course, I'm sitting there grilling him, shaking him, wondering what is wrong. And he's not responding to me. And it's Mm -hmm. best to like, usually I can just steer him back into his bed. And then a lot of times he will go back to sleep. But he's done that on more than one occasion. And he is, luckily, it hasn't been anything dangerous. He's kept to the bedrooms. He hasn't gone out of the house or anything, which terrifies me. Mm -hmm. But I'm also kind of on pins and needles every night, knowing that I could possibly have him standing over my bed. (laughs) And apparently Beulah was standing over a bed with a hatchet. So hide all the hatchets, right? Oh my gosh. Okay, so they committed her because of the hatchet stuff um, in 1920, and she never saw freedom again. She was eventually transferred to East Mississippi State Hospital, where she died in 1968. This is how two, many years was that? So it was when, about 40. It was wow. about 40 years. This is two years before the Drug Administration, Food and Drug Administration, approved the drug lithium to treat bipolar disorders. Aww. But I think at that time her parents had already died so she was i don't know i don't know the situations i'm sure hospitals are not pleasant place to live in yeah of course i don't know oh that's sad so yes it is sad Mm -hmm. so her brother had her body returned to holly springs where she was buried with her other family members Let's see. Blah, blah, blah. So the Humphreys, going back to the Humphreys, who wanted to buy this house, and they see these online comments about the Linden house ghost. One of the ladies are commenting it was her grandmother's house, and that's what they called and that's what they called the home. Uh, That doesn't make sense. (laughs) Maybe we'll just cut that part out. But they talked about seeing doors open by themselves, chandeliers swaying without wind, and sounds that had no explanations. One night, the woman whose grandmother lived there said that she heard sounds like boots with spurs on them. And she always thought it was like a soldier, like a Confederate soldier walking through there. So are these still the comments that people are, that they're finding out before they buy the house? mm -hmm, Okay. So there's a lot of things like door slamming, noises. And if you look, I I went online and look, and there's actually some video that shows some things. Now, I'm pretty skeptical about videos Mm -hmm. nowadays. I really think because... This house now, I, I don't doubt. I believe that there's something in that's that's doing freaky things to the house mm-hmm. and, and maybe like to the electricity and stuff like that. So I don't doubt that that's happening. Mm-hmm. My parents almost bought a antebellum home in Columbus. And this is when I was probably about 13 or so. Mm-hmm. And I remember we went and looked at it. And my dad, they had like a crawl space downstairs and my dad climbed down the ladder 
and he went to the right. And I was looking down this crawl space that mm-hmm. was like in the middle of the house. And crawl spaces are creepy just to begin with. Just too. to begin it's with, like, oh. right. And I don't know how much of a crawl space or an unfinished basement it was, uh-huh. but it was. It had like a, a little door that you moved and a ladder that you went down to this place underneath. He went down, and we were the only people there. He went down. He went to the right. I saw somebody walk after him Nuh-uh. right in the crawl space. And then I was just like, <laughs> I didn't say anything because I figured, you know, my dad would see the person down oh there my God. and I was 13, but I just kind of like went and I was like, so how was it <laughs> when he came back up? Did he, so he didn't, he see, didn't anything? see anybody and I didn't really tell <clears throat> him because I wanted them to buy this house. <laughs> Even after he saw a random that, person? Well, I figured, like, if oh the person God. went after him and he survived, we're cool, you know. Uh, it was just... <laughs> it was just if like, he survives, everything's, if everything's fine. We could probably live there, right? We ended up not buying the house and whatnot. But, Ooh. you know, I know that that's how things happen. But when I see these videos, I'm like ghosts they're like children they don't perform when you want them to perform Mm, they don't do the thing that's so cute when you want them to do the thing that's so cute so i I have a feeling a lot of what we see online is like just we're on a time limit we have deadlines the ghost is not cooperating so we're just going to make it up kind of thing so i don't doubt that like i don't doubt that the lights come on and off or that they hear things Mm -hmm. they ended up they did they ended up buying the house and they were laughing at it at first like you know there's really no thing as a ghost that they thought it was kind of silly didn't take too much longer before they like started experiencing the things and they're like oh oh yeah oh um there's things happening and, and this person whose grandmother lived there in like 1968 so while beulah was she'd been dead she would have been dead that year maybe yeah i was gonna say what you said Right. So uh, So she was sleeping. Her grandmother was sleeping and she felt somebody grab her arm and she yelled out and there was like a handprint on her arm. So Humphrey shared, she shared this conversation with her husband who regarded the ghost talk as ridiculous. You know, they said we laughed our asses off. (laughs) Um, They did nothing to dissuade them because they're getting this fantastic house for $65,000. And so they said for that, we can live with the ghost. So when they moved in there, it was, it was the woman and her mother arrived first to get the house painted and set up and ready. They slept the first night in a huge blow up mattress. And in the middle of the night, her mother said she heard a sound like eight men banging around the back of the house. The next night after that, at 2.30, Humphreys heard the sound like a moan or a cry. And by that time, after the second night, she was scared. Yeah. So later on, she heard two wrought iron chairs dragged on the tile floor and began smelling castor oil. Oh, that's a weird one. Yeah. She's like, don't ever Google that. It says it smells of evil. Oh, my gosh. I would be like, uh, can we get the house back? <laughs> um, when she talked to her daughter, uh, recommend she use sage to bless the home. So she did that. So before leaving for the airport, she decided to write a note to Beulah, the ghost, and explain that she was leaving, but she would be back with her husband. And because she was worried the ghost was going to wreck the house. Oh, my gosh. So that would be a little bit unsettling. So, like, she's gone from laughing about all the ghost stories to, like, right. writing a note to her ghost, ghost to make sure she didn't, like, fuck up the house while she was, <laughs> using, while right. she was gone. That's <laughs> right. Left some stuff in the fridge for you. But other than that, you know, try not to scuff up the floors too much. Oh, my gosh. Wow. So, Humphreys returned. Uh, she said her wedding pictures were crooked. And the family continued to experience strange things. The TV came on by itself. They tried to approach it scientifically. Family witnessed lights turning off and on by themselves. And she called an electrician. Um, there was nothing wrong with it. She said, finally, they yelled out to the ghost, if you want the lights on, you can pay the damn electric bill. <laughs> And after the go, after that, the ghosts left the lights off. Really? Yes. <laughs> At least that's what they say. The daughter 
moved in and she said that she saw a ghost one night of a little girl about three feet tall walking in white running around the hall and knocking a hat to the floor so that slightly terrified her (laughs) slightly also one night while taking a shower she heard water running through and thought it may be a washer had sprung a leak but when she pulled back the shower curtain she she says she saw both of the sink's faucets were on full blast that would freak me out yeah her pit bull king who normally waits by the shower was like 25 feet away in the kitchen Oh, so the dogs know. The dogs know. So she tried to call the dog over and the dog refused to come. I know it sounds, she says, I know it sounds crazy talk about ghosts because not really many people have experienced, but you cannot explain everything that's happened. One day she was talking with her husband when a deadbolt lock opened by itself. You can <laughs> shake this door 5,000 times and it's never going to open. So, oh, wow. So really extremely haunted house. That they are still living in. Really? Yes. So that didn't deter her. And actually, I believe the house, there's a big thing with yellow fever that happened in Holly Springs. Um, A bunch of people died. So apparently it's pretty haunted. And there's like ghost tours. Holly Springs is just very small. I didn't look to see how big it is. I'll post it somewhere. But um, a very small town, like smaller than where we're living in now. Or maybe, maybe comparable And so there's like a ghost tour that goes around downtown. And I think it's part of the ghost tours. He's like, you hear a woman's moan that'll freeze you in your spot and your body does not move. And so she says now each month they visit Hillcrest Cemetery where Beulah and her family are buried. And she puts a rose on her grave. I think just maybe trying, you know, she had like a really sad life. It's horrible. And, and, And when you cannot control the things that happened with mental illness and then to be locked up and there's no telling. I mean, I don't know much about like, well, I do know when I was living in Meridian, Mississippi, there was a state mental hospital there. And I don't know if that was the East Mississippi state facilities or not. Mm. But when I was working there, one of the guys who lived not far from there, and this is back in this, this happened to him back in the, he witnessed this back in the seventies. He says that there was a person that had escaped from the mental uh, institute there Mm -hmm. and was butt naked and ran across his yard and had police chasing after him. And they shot him in the back and he like died right there in his yard. Oh my gosh. So there is no telling what kind of things were happening back there. And he's like, it was the weirdest thing. It's like, nobody said anything. Nobody did anything. Oh, wow. And it was just like, it was just a done deal, which is really freaky. It really, obviously it shook him up because he was still talking about it 30 years later. It's too bad. They didn't haunt that facility instead. I wonder if that facility is haunted. Cause it sounds like sometimes we deserve our hauntings. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, oh, absolutely. So the lady says that she, she really felt bad for her and she wanted her to know um, that she hopes she can find peace. And that's my story of a rose for Beulah. 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 Oh. But I get it. So this house that I'm currently living in, there was only one owner. I had, well, it was a family that lived in here beforehand. And she, the kids had grown up and moved away. The husband had died. And she lived in this room that we're sitting in. Like mm-hmm. she had her hospital bed set up in here. And she was basically on hospice. Oh, wow. Here in this room that we're sitting in. I did not know that. And I'm not sure if she died in this house, but I'm kind of led to believe that possibly she could have died in this house. So when we moved in, I kept like expecting something. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know, maybe something's going, you know, maybe she doesn't like the way that I don't really clean. So, you know, <laughs> and she seemed to be pretty like tidy personality. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I just hope she, you know, my mess doesn't interfere and, and we're cool and stuff. Have you ever had any? But I will tell you this. Sometimes when my child mm-hmm. is going to sleep, I will lay in the bed next to him to get him to go to sleep. Like if he's having, if he's scared or something. And it's the only bed in this house that I've had this happen to. I will lay down and sometimes I can feel somebody sitting on the bed. Uh Uh-uh. I feel the bed go down just a little bit. And that is the only, and I'm honest, not going to tell 
my son about that because no. he would move out mm-hmm. immediately. He'd be like, I'm living with Nana. And so I was, we were just talking about the fact that like, we're not even going to like, we don't tolerate even dolls. Like, right. No dolls. No. Right. So, no dolls. Ghosts in Nothing. the bedroom. Not, not so right. much. A- so several times in that room, I have had somebody like right when I'm going to sleep, sit down on the bed next to me and it just goes down a little. I'm like, Hey, <laughs> well, it must not be a horrible feeling. Like maybe she's a, a good, like a I hope so. comforting. Right. I, I don't feel not that I'm extremely sensitive or anything to anything like that, but I don't, I don't feel any bad vibes mm-hmm. or it does. It doesn't scare me. I'm just kind of like, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting. And I look, I always look to make sure it's like not my cats or my dog. And yeah. they're like across the room asleep. That's the only thing that I've experienced here. And, you know, we have lights flickering, but I know it's faulty wiring. Mm-hmm. You know, my parents' house, and this is something I was going to tell you earlier when we were making the drinks. My parents' house bought their house cheap because the previous owners the guy just killed his wife in the house and killed himself. <laughs> so it was a murder suicide at my parents' house. And so they got my That's dad, they got, a, they got a deal <clears throat> um, on that house. And so I've always felt like I should feel creepier about it and staying at that house. And I do, but I've never, I've never had any bad vibes or experienced anything weird there. Mm. And I always thought that that would be like a thing, but apparently nobody's there. Thank huh. God. Cause I'd be like, yeah, I can't come this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> On account of the ghosts. On account yeah. of the yeah, evil spirits. <laughs> so, so far all benevolent, but none of the degree is Beulah. Mm. I've never had an experience like that. I was like, I continue to just like, I'm researching for my stories. Like I'm looking at stories that I've heard of from around here and, mm-hmm. you know, just trying to figure out. I don't want to go looking for it. <laughs> That's for sure. I don't, I don't, I, I am totally not that person that is going to stay at like the most haunted motel. No. Or, uh, or house or like, I, I, I don't want I to ex- even go to fake haunted houses right. most of the time. But. Exactly. <laughs> And yet, though I will drive to these weird places that people say are haunted, I, I don't know. I find that a lot more interesting than people just trying to jump out in clown masks and scare me. You know what I mean? Right, like, right. Well, uh, let's see. So, what do you have? I decided that I was going to talk this week about like a famous haunted place near where we live here. So in Birmingham, Alabama, they say, and it's funny because I say, they say that this is one of the top 10 most haunted sites in the country. I don't know who they is or whether they can be trusted, but not the point, (laughs) not the point. (laughs) So there's a place called Sloss Furnace that's in Birmingham. You know, I started going there because they had until this year, they actually canceled it after last summer. They had a big music festival there. Did they cancel? The music they did. They oh. they've done their final Sloss Fest, wow. which is sad because we saw Alabama Shakes there. It's yeah. very cool. It's it's funny because I'd never heard of anything like referred to as a furnace before, and there are several around here, and I think there are probably haunting stories in all of them, probably for good reason. Now that I've oh. looked into what that is, because there's Janney Furnace is up north of here, okay, and that's. I think specifically Confederate haunting, but I'm not, I'm not sure. I'd have to look into the story. So we live on too. so many battlefields. I know. Yes, yes, exactly. And, um, so the fern- a furnace is like, um, it's like where they take iron or metal or whatever, and, and they melt it down and they turn it into usable product. So, um, they were creating, I just hit my laptop. They were creating, um, in Sloss furnace, what they call pig iron. Okay. So it was, they were, they were melting down minerals and stuff and making iron. And it was not like it won awards, I guess that, you know, back when you would, I have to say back when you would, I guess there are probably still like associations that'll give you an award for having the best molten metal. But, um, yeah, so they, they made pig iron, which is, I guess, more brittle than some other ones. It was really a big industry they i didn't realize birmingham wasn't even created like birmingham wasn't founded until like the 1870s i didn't even know that oh i didn't either but sloss furnace was founded like 10 years after Mm -hmm. this founding of birmingham and um 
back then to make, you know, iron, they had these massive places. There were two furnaces, they're big cylindrical, like steel giant pillars that were covered in like fire resistant brick. And they would take these, they would have to create steam. They had like boilers to make steam because it was where all your energy came from to run the machines to do all the other stuff. So to start off with, you've got these really, really hot boilers making steam to run everything else. Right. And then they would run... And I'm probably wrong about all of this, but I don't really care. Sounds great. Is this, the point of all of this is that it's super, super hot in the right. furnace. <laughs> they would create steam to power these machines, these wheels that would run these air blowers. And they would heat up this, they would heat air to like super hot levels and they would shoot it in the bottom of these furnaces. It's building and up not to sound good. It's it's freaking disturbing. And then they right. would they would, I guess, pour the the ore and minerals and all the the elements that would create the iron in the top. Mm-hmm. And there were chemical reactions going on about like what would what would combust first or you know what would happen first. But basically that's how they create molten iron and then they would, you know, put it into they would cast it, you know, put it into molds and right. And they would sell it. And it was like the intersection of two railways there in Birmingham, too. So it was like a huge industry when it first started. Right. But it was like hell to be in there. Mm -hmm. And number one, like just going to Sloss Music Festival the year that I went in June in Birmingham, it's like hell anyway. Mm -hmm. Like you go out there and it feels like you're walking through a lake. You know, I mean, it's super, super muggy. And it's probably already 102 degrees. And, you know, so in the summertime, it's like it's that hot outside. The, The temperature inside this furnace got to this building, you know. Not not like inside the actual canister, but inside the building where everybody worked, got between 120 and 150 degrees. Oh my god! Because of the number of like heating things, they right. the whole point of it was to make everything hot so they could melt this metal. And um, you know, back when they started this, this is before you know workers' rights. This is before there was any government agency that was exactly for you. So this is one of the most dangerous jobs you can possibly have in the entire country. It was also living where we live. Mm-hmm. It was also, you know, we're not that far out of emancipation. Most of the people who come into work at this place are going to be freed slaves, are going to be like immigrants, rural folks who have lost just a ton of stuff and just are desperate for a job. Right. So this big industry is like so. a godsend, right? Because mm-hmm. they come in and they're getting paid and they're doing this reliable job. But like people are going to die just like constantly here. I mean, it's like injuries and Mm. all kinds of stuff is happening to people in these furnaces. And on top of that, it's like segregated Mm. so that, you know, I'm sure I know who has the most dangerous jobs. Right. Exactly. Like the the majority of the labor force down here at the bottom is going to be black folks Mm -hmm. who come in to get this job, probably don't have a whole lot of options for for paid jobs. And then the people who are going to be the foremen and, you know, the people who are in charge of the the better jobs, the higher paying ones, the less dangerous ones. Mm -hmm. Guess who gets those jobs? Right. On top of that, even though this was illegal, this is what I found out today. I was like, this pisses me off so much. Even though it was illegal already to do this, there's something called, well, we probably heard of debt bondage or somebody talk about debt bondage. There are a billion Uh, different ways to do this to people. But it's like back, you see these like old timey movies where somebody just keeps on running up credit at the general store. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's like you just are never going to get out from under it. There was a special kind of this going on, (laughs) going on at places like this. Because the um, state and county governments would go out and arrest black men on trumped up charges. And basically the the foundry, the foundries, the, the furnace would buy these people from oh the government saying, basically, I'm going to pay their debt back on their behalf, mm-hmm. but they're never going to be able to work hard enough to pay back the company. Mm-hmm. So these folks are free slave labor for them. Mm-hmm. So they have no reason you know, that's part of the reason why the industry got so big is because they built it on the backs of people they really didn't have to pay. Right. And um, so and I say that like 
with my own level of, you know, this is the kind of stuff I always latch on to. And I get pissed off because I'm like, ah, it did bring a lot of industry to the area and the people that a lot of people, you know, it built up the area a lot. So it did its it did its economic promise good. You know, it, it really did enhance the economy for a long time. It's not like it's a complete horrible thing. But it was done in a bad way. Right. And there's it's all these people. It's done in a completely horrible way. Yeah. And there's, so there's no reason really for them to look out for the safety of these workers. So they've got people doing all kinds of jobs. Like they had stories about people, um, like explosions that happened inside the furnaces where like six people at a time would just be burn blinded. And oh they gosh. had stories about. Um, awful. I mean, it's yeah, just, just thinking. About oh, my it. gosh. There was a guy who like took his lunch break and sat too close to one of the machines and got pulled into the gears. <gasps> I mean, like that kind of story. And you can probably find those in a lot of industry. Again, like we said before, not a distinctly Southern thing. Right. Definitely like very pre workers rights pre-union power industries all over the country did stuff like this but there were guys that there was a story about a guy that fell into one of the vats and this was not unusual either and they thought like there might have been cases where people were disposed of in these vats because you basically just disappeared i'm sure you know you fall into these vats of molten metal and they like managed to pull out parts of people every once in a while but it's like you just you just disappear inside these vats so there's tons of reasons for these places to be haunted right and so sloss is one of those places that's like Catherine tucker windham who i think i mentioned in the last episode that we talked about who writes all kinds of southern ghost stories i didn't even realize she had covered this place we need to put a link um yes we will because she has um yeah she i'll 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 put up the website for her stuff because she's she was great excuse me this is a super burpy cocktail that we made (laughs) i like i keep on having to excuse myself (sighs) it's the coke it's the coke i know Mm. it is so there she told a story, uh, and I think hers was about the guy who fell into the metal vat, and and they said that his ghost would haunt the halls of Sloss Furnace. And the place closed down in the 1970s, and people say that there were stories from people who worked there about hearing, you know, they would go in and hear screams. They would feel people touch them on the back. Um, Creepy. There was a story that they told of a night watchman who now I might be getting these confused, but there was a story that they told about a guy who felt like he was being pushed up the ladder towards the opening to one of the vats Mm -hmm. by like an invisible force. Mm. And there was a story of a guy who like actually felt something beating him like with fists Mm. on his back while he was there. And now I couldn't find firsthand accounts of any of these stories. Mm -hmm. There's a company that's like really grabbed onto these haunted stories Mm -hmm. and like the hundred most haunted kind of rating that it gets. Right. And they started Sloss Fright Furnace. Mm. And so, you know, like a lot of these, like, you know, Six Flags does haunted stuff and a lot of places that are purported to be haunted. It's an industry. It's, it's become, an industry. It's become like, it's like the whole Holly Springs as the ghost the tour. The ghost tour, yes. And now, you know, we have cemetery tours and, and it's, it's... Oh, yeah. And places like, places like um, New Orleans and Savannah. Oh, I and I mean, there are places, there's New enough Orleans. haunting there to yes. like... So, you know, it does kind of make sense for it to be an industry. You should go to New Orleans and do a live. Oh, my God. Let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> let's do that. I'm totally on board. We'll oh talk about that. Yes. But, uh, yeah, so they do Sloss Fright Furnace. And they they have as their kind of narrative for Sloss Fight, Fright Furnace. And this is how I got into wanting to cover this in the first place. They talk about a... Um, a foreman, graveyard shift foreman who worked there, who, and they said his name was Jimmy Slag Wormwood. Slag was his like nickname. Right. And they said that when he was the foreman, four times as many people died under him than died mm. on any other shift. And, um, and it's funny because like one of the sites also said like only 60 people are purported to have died at this facility. And I was like, bullshit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, those people just didn't have papers. Exactly. <laughs> like, Nobody missed people them. Died here. They probably had no family. To I know. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, they say that uh, this guy wanted to like impress his bosses by overworking everybody just even further than anybody else could. And so he pushed them to do like even more dangerous jobs. And so, so many people died under him because he just didn't, Mm -hmm. you know, he was just cruel. And then they said that I think in 1906, they said he fell into one of the furnaces 
and mm-hmm. died. And they think that it was like a revenge Karma. killing mm-hmm. by all the workers there. Now, since I've read, I, I like looked at this and I was like, that dude's name is Wormwood. I was like, that's really hard to believe. I was like, that's like, that's a, that's a like devil epithet right there. Mm-hmm. And so it, they say that there was no Jimmy Wormwood Foreman. Mm, great story. I, it's a great story. And I also sat there thinking like, does it really, I mean, that place ought to be haunted. You know, I mean, like if any place is haunted, no. a place like that ought to be haunted. Because again, it's back to that, like we kind of deserve our hauntings sometimes, mm-hmm. right? I mean, right. that many people have to do that kind of labor and like yes. with no care and all that kind of stuff for that many years. I don't know, man. Violent deaths. There's got to be haunting in there somewhere. Horrible. So yeah, but the Oxford Paranormal Society, I actually didn't know they existed until a couple of years ago, but um, Oxford is not that far away from where we are. And they have a little paranormal society and they go around and like look at all these haunted sites that you know we talk about and they I didn't know when you said Oxford I was automatically thinking okay which Oxford are we talking about England no I don't you know like Oxford Mississippi you know what's funny I just assumed it was our Oxford because they do there is an Oxford like in our Oxford Alabama Mm -hmm. but it could have been any of those other ones Mm -hmm. but it said they came and set up like long term at Sloss one time to kind of see if they saw because people yes. had reported, you know, lights, mm-hmm. people had reported sounds. And, you know, back when the furnace was still running, like, I can't imagine that you wouldn't have heard everything under the sun. Because can you mm-hmm. imagine like the sound of metal creaking in mm-hmm. conditions like that? Like that alone would be right. scary enough. But, um, you know, so they set up and they looked and they said they didn't find much evidence of paranormal activity, but they said that at the very end of one of their audio recordings, like you can hear a train whistle. And then if you turn it up really high, they think that they can hear the words, you will not. And then it just fades away. So you can't really hear what the rest of it is or where it came from or anything like that. But they said that that was something that showed up on their audio recording. Did they have it online? Can you hear it? I'll have to look for it because I couldn't, I didn't find it. That was like the end of one of the articles I read. Are these people that run the society? Will we like recognize them on the street? We'll have to look into that. We'll have to look into that. Very interesting. We will have to look into that. We know how names change with stories. They all, yeah, exactly. Yeah. They always do, and um, like yeah. <clears throat> so Jimmy Wormwood. Jimmy Slag Wormwood. Yeah, that's a great name. <laughs> yeah, and that's Evil probably name. a really cool haunted attraction to go to. Mm-hmm. I mean, like. I haven't been there for the haunting time, but they have Sloss Furnace is actually really cool to go to anyways, because they've got like a museum, like an industrial museum there that Mm -hmm. talks about. And when they did um, Sloss Fest, they would have people out there pouring iron into like cast iron molds. It was like you could make your own mold and they would pour molten metal into it and make it for you. And they have like an artisan foundry there now too oh lovely and and it's kind of a pretty park outside it now so it's really pretty cool to visit now because it's now um national historic register site too oh okay so if you're ever in birmingham yes you know hop I, over have, to Sloss. I go there all the time and i have not been there and i really need to yeah it's pretty cool uh, despite its sordid history sordid history ah uh, that's awful and let us know if you have any hauntings this is a super bummery episode no. we're like societal ills all over the place right all now all over the place i know we need to i think maybe i've got an idea of what i want to do next week so maybe we'll make it a little fun and quirky. we'll choose happier ones next week <laughs> this one is a bummer i know and <laughs> we're not telling each other what we're doing so it's a complete surprise to both of us like yes so we did not plan this like right yes we didn't plan this at all so i didn't know what you're doing so the fact that we kind of picked bummers kind of sucks (laughs) cheers (laughs) cheers (laughs) cheer wine Well, thank you. Enjoyed that. And we want to thank you all for listening. Thank you for listening. And please visit our website and our Facebook page and our Instagram. And let us know if you have thoughts and let us know if you have stories. That you, stories. Happier we, stories that are funny. That yes. You want us to talk about. Funny stories because it's pretty depressing today. <laughs> I'm going to go drink some more of my cola wine cola wine enjoy your cola wine exactly we'll, t- we'll see y'all la- i was gonna say we'll talk to y'all later talk to you see later y'all. bye Beulah.